listeners. My name is Bella and I live in Sacramento. If you're enjoying Low Profile, please consider supporting the show by donating at patreon.com slash lowprofile. Also, be sure to subscribe and give the show a good rating. The Morrison family will be forever grateful and it will help Markley continue delivering these long form interviews. And now, today's show. Hey, it's the penultimate episode of Low Profile with Markley Morrison, Season 3. Today I'm speaking with Marcus Pop, whose musical project, Oval, has been on the cutting edge of electronic music since the early 1990s, creating some of the earliest examples of what would be known as glitch music. I called him at his home studio in Berlin to ask about his latest album, Sizz, on Chicago's Thrill Jockey Records, how he found his signature sound, his scoring of a German radio play called Nova, and his current venture as a sort of life coach for musicians and other creative types. We'll also discuss his collaborations with Gastrodel Soul, Mouse on Mars's Jan St. Werner, a troupe of Brazilian musicians, and his work in progress slated for 2021. From Olympia, Washington, I'm Markley Morrison, and this is my conversation with Marcus Pop. Marcus Pop, thank you so much for joining me on Low Profile today. Yeah, no problem. So, where are you in the world right now? I'm in Berlin. I'm in my so-called studio uh, at my weirdly uh, stingray-shaped IKEA desk from the 2005 office uh, line of uh, office desks. And I'm looking at my uh, computer screen as, as I do. And the computer is your main instrument, is that fair to say? Yeah, you know, computer plus controllers of all sorts. Now, you've been highly active and influential in the world of more uh, unconventional electronic music for several decades now. And uh, your latest release, uh, Size, is that pronounced correctly? S-C-I-S? Oh, maybe Sis. Sis? You know? Uh-huh. Yeah, like Sister, Sister album. Uh-huh. And then Exploio, the accompanying EP. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very, it's very forward sound for Oval, or Oval. Should, should I be saying Oval. It? I've always wondered. <laughs> I've heard I've heard both ways. So Yeah, me too. What was different about making this latest album or seri- couple of albums compared to your previous oh, work? Oh, many things were different. Um, okay, I have to preface this with saying that Sis, like the 2020 album, is in fact like the continuation, like the sister album, hence the name, of Pop. And Pop was this uh, 2016 
album that started as a, uh, let's say, concept album, uh, but not really in the way one might think, like it was not meant to be like a pop record, you know, or the Marcus Pop signature album or whatever, but it was about like reverse engineering the classic, like 1990s oval glitch sound aesthetic. But using contemporary tools, right? So this was the, the premise of pop uh, at the time. And uh, two afternoons later, that had been accomplished. So then was the question, okay, so what can I do with this now? Like, is there any way to uh, expand on this and uh, how? So I kind of decided uh, something I had never uh, tackled before, like beats, you know, like beat making, like sequencing, like yeah. drum sounds, like drum samples, that kind of stuff. And it still sounded like Oval, but uh, it's very active and, yeah, percussive. Yeah, you yeah. know, like even enthusiastic and optimistic and grandiose and all these things. And that was completely on purpose. So it was supposed to be this like love letter to like music even, you know, like this mm. thing that is like just exploding with color and sound and melody and like this kaleidoscope of, of optimistic vibes, you know, that kind of stuff. A signature sound that has been sort of happening throughout the years was this uh, CD skipping sound that was yeah. just sort of a signature in your, in your music and you would just physically manipulate CDs to randomly give you these sounds. Was there a certain album that was skipping that uh, really caught your ear and inspired you? No. Okay. I don't think so. I don't recall that happening. It happened to me a lot after the album was out. Like there was this like uh, running gag of me entering like a cafe or a restaurant or some breakfast place. And then, you know, at the time there were these like CD based uh, sound systems and the PA, over the PA suddenly, as soon as I entered the room, the uh, disc uh, started skipping. And that happened actually like multiple times, but that was after <laughs> the record was out. Um, yeah, so basically, <laughs> It was really this thing of me like looking for like a different way of musical expression, if you will. You know, it was really just out of, it was not like anti-music or it was a little bit of protest maybe, 
mm-hmm. you know it was a little bit of like strategy it was a little bit of novelty it was a little bit of happy accidents it was all of that sort of but at the same time it was really just me looking for like a new way to to do this you know because I found what was happening around me at the time, which was like this, you know, explosion of electronic music, like all these like pieces of formerly very expensive um, pieces of, of music equipment getting into into uh, the hands of, of almost any producer out there, you know, and what people did with it was mostly like either like old school, like 70s, like electronics or soundtrack music or on the mm-hmm. other hand uh techno you know that was like the big techno explosion in the in the early 90s in berlin and even earlier in other places uh in, of the world and so the idea was to kind of find like a way of asking what i thought at the time and what i think still are today like more relevant questions you know not necessarily to continue like the same old music thing which was basically a continuation of like rock and roll you know like good old music business kind of thing and uh yeah i was uh actually at the time i was kind of known for interview statements like uh, the best thing about music is that it still it's still there, you know, and I'm just organizing the the remnants here, you know, the, the digital remnants of, of music uh, period, you know, like I was, uh, I mean, you have to picture at the time, you know, there was this multimedia kind of revolution and we were pretty sure that we would soon be like programmers, you know, or digital content creators. Uh, so music uh, didn't seem to have like a lot of future in it. Uh, Hmm. at least for not much longer you know so i was i was pretty skeptical of this entire music thing basically so i was not up to like going on a stage and like just placing whatever kind of synthesizer i could afford on a stage and then have like a four to the floor beat and then uh expect people to to dance or to to kind of look up to me and and think that this is this is a great thing you know I, mm-hmm. I kind of was looking for like a different perspective I would say on this entire like electronic music thing and you you mentioned there was like an element of protest to it um, there there's a listener Ryan who wanted to know if uh, the political climate in Germany in the early 90s informed your art and your music in any way yeah, sure. Like, there's this, not exactly the climate, I would say, but there's definitely this sidebar of what I, at the time, used to call, like, awareness, you know, in my music. And the there was definitely something similar to, like, a political agenda, if you will, you know, in the early days. Like, I kind of tried to establish the notion that Oval was about more than just the music, sort of, you know, it was more about like creativity and what we do with it, you know, so and it was more about like starting a discourse, you know, like asking questions and a typical answer uh, 
by me in an interview at the time would be either next question or uh, let's look at this in a in a different way, you know. So so mm -hmm. it was really about like not playing uh, according to the rules, but a political agenda in terms of like politics in the news or anything like that. That it it wasn't. Sure. And what about the first LP that Oval released, Wonton? And at that point, Oval was listed as a trio. And you had singing mm -hmm. on that record? Yeah. Someone that I was dating a long time ago uh, told me she she was somewhat she was studying German and she told me that the lyrics read kind of as uh, just like technological jargon and uh, she said she was very confused by them but um, I I guess that was sort of in the formative years. Yeah, totally. I mean, the recordings of that first album they were even years older than the release date of that record, like. When we recorded these, we were still in our like teenagers, like bedrooms in our parents' houses. You know, that was like a different time and a much simpler time. You know, it was really just more or less like a bunch of friends gathering around this prosumer level Yamaha sampler that I could like barely afford. You know, mm -hmm. and just trying to make some music happen somehow, you know? And that was mostly what this was, you know, like just these like people coming in and out, we're bringing instruments, ideas, all sorts of like collaborators, if you will, you know? And then uh, these two guys stuck around and we there was this trio, you know, of, of the three of us doing these what ended up uh, being songs, you know, and then we, we did these songs and then like years later, we, we uh, mastered or kind of remastered them and, and put them out. Okay. And then, yeah. and then, so the progression between that and say System-ish was a pretty mm -hmm. long time. There was a big interval there mm -hmm. to, so, that accounts for the drastic change in style, I, I suppose. Because you released System-ish next, which was widely regarded as groundbreaking, followed by 94 Discount, which featured your acclaimed long-form piece, Do While. Mm-hmm. on those 90s records? 
those were uh, some were the designs of Sebastian, who at the time worked at the German equivalent of an MIT, I would call it. And um, he had access to these like video synthesizers from the 70s, as well as like the, at the time, like cutting edge, latest, hottest, you know, digital plugins and editing suites. Uh, and then these covers kind of came about in the videos in particular. I think the 94 Discon cover is a different story though. That was done externally by a graphic designer who was working with similar aesthetics, but it was, I believe it was more like an edit of the uh, music video to do while and then processed, which of course at the time was like a big deal, you know. Mm. Um, but uh, that might have been done like externally. Yeah, I, I just think that those those covers have such a like very intricate um, I don't know very good visual representation of what the album might sound like so after you put those records out um, then we had your collaborations with Gaster del Sol and uh, Microstoria. Mm -hmm. And um, I was wondering how the Gaster del Sol collaboration happened, first of all. Um, like, I have been like a huge fan of uh, David Grubbs's work uh, since the very early days, like, since the even other, like, much more noisy rock esque outfits that he he had in like a, a few years prior to uh, Castro del Sol. So I literally followed uh, his music also in the sense of like driving for four or five, six hours to see like all of his uh, shows in Germany and, and, and so on. So there was some contact uh, at some point. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember, still remember him handing me over the source material to Camoufleur uh, and we were standing like super awkwardly on a on a median in the in the middle of like a very busy district of Berlin like right in the middle of traffic oh wow and we were like and he were was handing me these like CDRs and I was like oh wow yeah that's fantastic because I had um, bought like a CD burner, which at the time was really expensive. State of the art, having a CD yeah, burner Yeah, yeah, that was then. kind of state of the art. It was barely affordable, you know, and I was like really anxious of like, uh, like burning like certain edits of these kinds of files to then again manipulate them with my like uh, trademark uh, kind of uh, ways, you know. And at some point it occurred to me, like I should have brought, maybe I should have brought it. Translator, and I was like, I was like, should I, should I have brought like a translator? And he was like, no, 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 no. This is this is fine. This is fine. So yeah, th that was kind of the the story. And then I turned it into this 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 big undertaking on my end. Uh, and I worked on 
these materials uh, quite extensively and I ended up with like basically like a full album but it didn't really quite turn out that way so I think my music is featured like on a few tracks kind of disbanded after that i i think yeah, yeah. uh you you that, probably know better than, than that I checks do, yeah. out yeah we had david on not too long ago yeah so yeah. still uh very happy to have uh contributed to that uh now uh microstoria was uh by definition like a completely uh different thing yeah jan uh, werner who is also in mouse on mars very mm. prolific in all sorts of ways you know artist uh recording all sorts of things uh, in all sorts of formations and constellations. And at the time, we just ran into each other and we were like interested in what uh, we were doing. And then we just uh, decided to give this a try, I suppose. And then we came up with uh, this, again, it was like this quirky new at the time, you know, way of like ringing like the last bit of like new melody and harmony and rhythm out of these like very limited pieces of equipment we were using at the time. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I, I recall uh, both of us like going over to this like pro music store like a like a guitar center equivalent here in berlin which at the time was still around the corner of of where i still live today and um we were at the counter and looking for this like sound expansion you know it was like a roland like first party like sound expansion for the synthesizer we were using to generate like uh, some of these uh, microstoria kind of signature like sequences. They probably contained like a multi-sampled, you know, like brass section or whatever, and then a piano and then whatever else, you know, mm-hmm. and that was like a couple hundred bucks, you know, and we were like, should, should we buy this? Like, can we buy this? Like, is this, is this worth it? Like how many sequences can, can we get out of this? You know, <laughs> that, right. that's, that's so, so quaint, you know, looking back today. And were you recording to tape back then? Uh, yes, like yeah. the uh, Oval stuff was recorded on a Fostex R8. That's like an, a reel-to-reel uh quarter inch tape I, I believe and it it was completely automatable so that was quite sophisticated of a setup at the time and were you guys using any physical instruments for the microstoria music it sounds like there's guitar no, sometimes no. or no it was no. all all synthesized no it's it's all kind of simulated 
uh, emulated and faked, I would I would say. Wow. Uh, but sort of successfully, I, I think I like the entire so. vibe it gives off is this like, uh, yeah, almost electroacoustic kind mm -hmm. of vibe. And yeah, no, the tools we used were completely digital and pretty, you know, like run of the mill. Uh, obviously pro, you know, equipment, but not exactly, you know, like the studio gold standard type equipment. Well, you certainly had me fooled, for one. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, I want to talk about Oval Process, which was an okay. album that came out. Um, yes. But when, when that came out, all my friends were talking about how it was also a software that was going to be available to the general public. And uh, mm -hmm. that uh, you could basically, like a like an oval simulator, where you could right, right. Pre pretend to be Marcus Pop and create your own oval music. Yeah, yeah. And I never, I never found a copy, um, but I heard that it was used for uh, interactive installations. Yes, exactly. This was the way of getting oval process into people's hands. It was. Uh, the engine of these like interactive terminals that were set up at various locations, you know, like an art gallery or like some Sony corporate like exhibition space or some uh, art museum even, you know, it traveled to the US like Frill Jockey were uh, kind enough to uh, ship uh, the um, precious and, and, as it turned out, very fragile um, installation object over to Chicago. And there was this showcase in the Museum of Modern Art, I believe is the name of that museum. in the real world uh, as opposed to just be this downloadable thing you would just you know get from some site and then use it for like 10 minutes and then file it away and never look at it again you know so it was kind of similar to these like info terminals at an airport like there's three different designs and mm. one of them is really uh, big and heavy the other is kind of slimmer and kind of more easy like easier to to transport and to ship and uh, yeah the look and feel was at the time kind of uh, state-of-the-art so yeah and there was a computer in there which was uh, really well uh, hidden and well uh, shielded and uh, yeah that was a sophisticated construction and now they're in storage <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah yeah and you've done other installation pieces too I saw an old clip of uh, something with uh, involving synchronized swimming 
Uh, yeah, yeah. That was part of an art festival in uh, Switzerland. And yeah, they just invited me to do this uh, choreography with uh, their synchronized swimming team, swim team. And that was uh, yeah, an interesting experience. All sorts of uh, new criteria, you know, entering the mix. All sorts of new distinctions to be made. All sorts of new ideas to be had on the spot, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but that just occasionally happens. I also did, uh, I think with a similar art festival in Switzerland, I did a uh, live music for these kinds of like formation, like for formation flying. Cool. What about um, it, in the in the sort of late 90s, early 2000s, um, I know that Oval's sound started making its way into pop music, pop with one P. Um, right. And uh, like, the first thing I noticed was uh, when Bjork sampled you, sampled a song yeah, yeah. from System Ish. And right. I was... I was pretty elated because I was a I was a big fan of both and happy to see those worlds collide. And then Radiohead kind of started moving in that direction. Um, what Aww. what what was your reaction to to be influencing the pop world? Honestly, I I really didn't think about it. Like it was like a different agenda from mine, quite obviously, and it was like a different world from mine, quite obviously. And when Bjork called, like my first spontaneous response was like, who gave you this number? So <laughs> that's, you know, to, looking back today, that's so like delusional almost, you know? But at the time I felt, sure. I mean, this is kind of the way it's going you know, this is going to be happening for a little while and then something else is going to be happening in that world, you know, quite obviously, you know, by definition. And so I'm here doing my stuff, like in, in my own kind of way. And that was pretty much that, I guess. Um, yeah, and, and that stuff really just happened. Mm -hmm. you know, I guess things just happen. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a pattern with me. So after that, you released Oval Commerce. Um, yeah. And then you took a long hiatus. But um, Oval Commerce was just a really, I don't know, it, that album had like a lot of space on it and um, a lot of density as well. Some really really beautiful melodies um, just so many textures
felt like a really grand piece. And right. I, I'm wondering if you went into that intending to go on a hiatus, or uh, was that intended to be the last Oval record for a while, or did that just happen? Um, Oval Commerce was definitely the completion of the Oval Process uh, project, and I also definitely maxed out the tools and kind of ideas and strategies that I had at the time. So my entire approach to music as Oval uh, until then was about uh, stepping back and not claiming authorship, at least not along the lines of the, you know, like typical criteria of the music business. So here's the recording artist and here is what inspires him or inspired him uh, for his last album, and this is what he did on holiday, and, and all that kind of nonsense. But it was really just like, yeah, I'm maxing this out, and then everything will probably crash. Let's see how this is gonna gonna go. And um, yeah, and I felt like the next time I would be coming back with something, it should be different. It should be not only musically different, but also like different, like running on a different engine, you know, on a different mindset. Mm. It should be like a second debut album all over again, you know. And of course, I did not want to kind of keep dancing around like authorship and music any longer, you know, in the sense of like, okay, this is not really me. I'm really just organizing the, the files here. I'm really just organizing the, the digital remnants here you know this is this is not music this is music plus or or something like that but instead i wanted with the next thing uh deal with music for real you know like beyond the old like dissection or beyond the old like uh, denial even you know and i wanted to be like part of a dialogue with music like also learn the language of music, like like learn a skill set, like something that I can just play, you know, that kind of stuff. And of course, I that was also like a through line was like to bring out the music part more in electronic music, mm. you know, that kind of stuff. And so, um, because as a listener, like I I was never really listening to electronic music. So if I went to see like a live concert it was always this like band you know it was always this like indie band metalcore band whatever you know that kind of stuff like I was never into electronic music as a listener I mean I knew it existed I mean it was really just like yeah sure this is how they do you know and that was pretty much that um so, yeah, so, so, oh, the album was not only to, to reorganize sounds any longer, but to, like, get in charge, you know, like, play stuff and, and take control and, and do this, like, natural, living, breathing music thing mm. that just is, you know, this music just is.
on the surface, it's almost like a like a post rock like trio or something with a guy doing electronics. So oh, it was supposed to be this like self-explanatory thing, you know, like like something without a conceptual overhead, you know, like no meta. Like this is really just like drums and even guitar, you know, or something that sounds uh, eerily like a guitar, you know, stuff like that. And yeah, basically, I guess ultimately, I wanted to with this with O, I wanted to be able to tell my story from from both sides, you know, like from from outside the music container because that was where I was as Oval, and now I'm I'm inside the music container. And that's what I do now. So now I just play. And that's what I did. But it took, took a while, you know, like took a while to do that. Had you been um, a musician, like say a drummer, guitarist all along? No, not at all. No, 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 never. I've never, no. It really just sounds like that, you know, and to put it together in a way that it sounds like just played, that took these years. Well, what about in in between when you the next thing you did after Oval Process, you worked with a singer songwriter? Exactly. Yes. Nothing like that had ever come out from you. Where did you find Eriko Toyota? Um, Eriko just walked up to me after like a uh, artist talk slash uh, like discussion panel in in Tokyo and just handed me this like demo like literally tape, mm. I believe at the time, and just said like, listen to this, if you have time, thanks for listening, uh, I'm Erico. And, and that was That was uh, that? Yeah, and, and the material was, uh, yeah, interesting. And then she mentioned like, yeah, I'm like, ready to move to, to Europe. Like I could be establishing myself in, in Europe. And I was like, yeah, so check out Berlin. Like this could work for you, you know? And then, yeah, we ended up working on this, on this album. And it's basically like these like micro songs. I threw everything at it, what wow. I could command and afford. And the album turned out to be this, um, yeah, kind of songwriting plus, I, I guess, you know, so it sounds still like songs, but it's a lot more. I mean, that would be an album to return to at some point, I, I think, yeah. especially like uh, regarding what I'm I'm doing now and what I have done in the meantime, especially with uh, like drums and now uh, beats, because this is kind of missing from from that record. I I feel like I myself included and and many other people couldn't really like place it anywhere because there was just not enough of like a 
like a rhythmical like backbone i feel like this was just floating and it was like this floaty like structure open structure kind of songwriting but the sound itself was not very floaty it was pretty like harsh and digital and and dry and yeah so like to have beats uh or some kind of rhythm in there would be pretty interesting um and i'm still in in touch with her i mean she she still lives in berlin we just recently we just we just uh, communicated and yeah I, i will look into these files i i will have like a big uh file transfer and kind of yeah look into like my old like legacy hard drives mm -hmm. uh, over the next couple of weekends and then there might be some stuff coming up i mean there's definitely like lots of like material that's still uh, untouched or unreleased or unfinished and and the soul album yeah that was also like a lot more material and so on and you you've repurposed other music as well like uh like the voa record oh yeah voa yeah yeah we've got uh we've got a few tracks on there from the o record sort of repurposed with lyrics added Yeah, yeah. So that was a project by the German Culture Institute, like the Goethe Institute. And yeah, they call like every few years and they have like a project. Uh, hopefully it will stay that way, you know, like, uh, but uh, yes, in the past they have called every few years and they had something. And, and at that time it was like, hey, do you want to go to like South America and work with these like musicians? And there was even like an, a casting or some kind of audition with like lots and lots of people sending in their stuff and I picked like seven uh, musicians and then we met in the studio in Brazil and worked there for like I believe like two weeks and we recorded like two uh, albums worth of, of stuff and each one of these songwriters is not only uh, very different but also uh, very talented in all sorts of ways and they just play and so that was a very interesting not only like regarding like collaboration and workflow and organization all that kind of stuff but also musically obviously was this thing that just like clashed and it was a great time but the music was this thing that was so full of like like it was merging into this like new thing And um, yeah, that, that was. I'm very happy with the with the results. Uh, like each of these musicians brought all sorts of things to the to the table and different things. Like it was like an opera singer, like more guitar singer songwriter type of musicians, and then vocalists who had like a huge range and yeah. all sorts of like percussion slash guitar. Uh, musics thrown in there, and that's what we ended up with. And it actually is two albums. It's it's Kalidostopia and uh, Voa, and they're both on my uh, Bandcamp. 
Oh, wow. I didn't realize that that was a two-album affair. All out of the two weeks in Brazil? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I was running a tight ship uh, there. Like, they were, like, when there was a day off, I was even in the hotel room, you know, working on stuff. And they also, they're just fast, you know, like, yeah. step into the vocal booth and just record everything in, like, two takes. And there's even a music video of the same name. It's, it's VOA, which is kind of confusing because it's basically a video that uh, merges like these two album tracks into one. And it features this amazing singer, Dandara from Brazil. And uh, yeah, the video is also, I, I believe I'm looking at it right now, very interesting. Like these two like character actresses going through these like strange vignettes of symbolic, non-symbolic, kind of interesting kind of interactions. Like it's, yeah, it's, I, I still love that video. So I didn't know this about you, but while I was kind of doing some research and catching up, I came across these videos offering your services as sort of a consultant or like a, like a guru to the artists. Ally, motivator, remixer, devil's advocate, collaborator, beta tester, critic, idea person, inquisitor, stabilizer, destabilizer, decision maker, veteran, wild card, cheerleader, strategist, mentor, copy editor, communicator, therapist, Image coach, project closer. And uh, you, you've done like workshops. You're, you're currently doing one-on-one -on -one consultation sessions. Um, and I don't know if you noticed this, but I booked one. <laughs> so I wanted to get oh, the yeah, experience. Yeah, Fantastic. Um, but can you can you tell me uh, tell tell the listener um, what exactly that is and how you got into that? Yeah, like I'm doing this for like a couple of years now. Like I just turned it into this thing with like a website, you know, which is uh, poppopop.com, like my last name three times and then .com. And over the decades almost, uh, I was always invited for the occasional, you know, workshop and lecture, class, artist talk here and there, you know, and then over the years, I think what happened was that I saw that my kind of like natural like outsider perspective can actually fully pass as a outside perspective, you know, like mirroring back the artist's like proposition at them, you know, and now fast forward to like 2020 like a few years later yeah I'm, I'm working with artists on their projects in in all sorts of roles i mean these collaborations uh can take all sorts of forms you know they're in between very high concept and very meta you know to very practical and very hands-on so it's like yeah it's all sorts of stuff you know what i'm what i'm teaching i'm all about the the specificity of the like what's uniquely different about each artist and creator and to get that out of the artist that is 
like a thrill ride. You know, this is like, yeah, and it's definitely also bordering on the like, you know, psychological territory, which I'm of course not qualified to to have any business in. You know, to have any spend any time in. Sure, sure. But still, it's 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 part of that. You know, it still plays into that. You know, and yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. So that's why I'm currently just now, just yesterday, started to offer these like free lockdown sessions, uh, and I had like a first round. Uh, that started in April and I had like altogether like close to a hundred interviews with artists from all over the world and that's amazing wow. you know so now I just started the second wave and let's see what's what's gonna happen with that I'm looking forward to talking to you myself that sounds great absolutely yeah very much looking forward to that so Marcus, can you tell me anything about your current work in progress? You've been posting some audio clips online. It sounds very different, uh, which I think we can expect from you. But uh, what what is different about it for you? What's different about it, first of all, is that the base for this is a radio play, like a radio drama that I did and that was aired uh, in the summer. And I just recently did like a multi-channel like version for 51 speakers, like a 3D version of, of it at the... Uh, ZKM in uh, Karlsruhe, that's also a, an equivalent of MIT slash uh, Media Art Museum. And musically, yeah, it's, it's uh, romantic. It's very uh, E minor. Mm -hmm. Not that I would know what this means, I just Googled it. Um, <laughs> but people told me it's, it's E minor. And then I had to Google what this is and yeah. I'm going to turn this E minor into something. Let's see. Okay. Well, um, I've just got a, uh, a couple listener questions. For you if that's okay okay um, cool cool one of them is uh, Katie wants to know who would you like to collaborate with dead or alive if you had the chance <laughs> this is a surprise so sorry <laughs> Yeah, Americans are so much more prepared for these kinds of questions, I suppose. Yeah, like a like a metalcore drummer that like has the exact kind of economy going on in his like breakdowns that I love. You know, that kind of like immediacy and that kind of at the same time like command of the entire breakdown in the sense of like control, in the sense of impact, you know, and there's just a few that really hit the mark for me. And that would be fascinating to work with someone like that in, this, in the studio. 
Yeah, actually, I have approached a drummer of such a band uh, in back in 2011, um, but he probably didn't really see what this collaboration could be mm. about. You know, I wonder if he would see this differently <laughs> today, like tw 10 years later. You know, sure. But yeah, that's still a, that's still a thing. I just realized that now. Like I, I was thinking about that. Like I was I was trying to make that happen like ten years ago already. You know, so maybe that it doesn't even count. Um, oh, that's no. That's yeah, cool. let's leave it at that. You know, I never would have I never would have imagined uh, from listening to your music that you were a metal fan or metalcore or any of that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm more into these like. Um, not necessarily emo and not necessarily poppy, you know, like more, but more the metalcore that's, that sounds like the typical band that would win this, these kinds of music competitions in, in like, say like Sweden, mm -hmm. you know, like sometimes there's these music competitions online or like whatever. And they're really these technical like te and not, not necessarily, but, but like emotional and like mm. a, a little, like exaggerated let's say sure sure you know there's always two singers like the growly singer and the like harmonic singer the mel melodic singer that kind of stuff uh-huh you know that's what i love yeah 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 excellent and um so now this i this is another one that i didn't prepare you for but it's an easy one okay if I was going to buy you a hamburger, what, how would you like it? First of all, vegetarian. Okay. And the actual like composition, I would leave up to you because this would show me a lot about you. You know, I would learn a lot about you, like much more than I would learn about, about myself in this situation, you know, because I never think <laughs> that's something I'm never thinking about, you know, so I would have a look at the menu or I would let you put it together for me. How about that? Okay. Well, for you, I would say uh, deli mustard, Swiss cheese, mm -hmm. arugula, and sautéed mushrooms yeah. on a plant-based patty. Why not? Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. Is there, would there be any calorie information provided? Um, you know, hypothetically, I suppose that the restaurant has that information in the back if you ask for it. We'll, we'll say yeah. that. So they, they can... And then uh, they roll their eyes and then... Right. And they come back 10 minutes later and you ask this, them again. With like, this stained kind of finder. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. I think that's it, no? I think so. We did it. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your time and your stories. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks again to Marcus Pop and to you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to read more about this or other episodes, check out lowprofilepodcast.com. That site is being updated, and there's a lot more stuff on it these days. We're also doing giveaways from time to time on Instagram at lowpropodcast, so follow us there if you want to see some little videos and maybe win some music. I've got one more episode for you this season, so if you haven't, 
please subscribe wherever you get your podcast to stay connected. Until next time, this is Mark Lee Morrison wishing you the very best. Welcome to your file with Mark Lee Morrison.